Welcome to Sailing God's People with your host, Dennis Beard. Back in October of 89, 1989, a few years ago, I had a visitation from the Lord about the work of the ministry that he, God himself, would uncover the cedar work when he famishes all the gods of this earth, as in Zephaniah 2. Also, in January 2019, on the 19th of January, while we're in Transmary, Kenya, had another visitation from the Lord, many, many years later, saying, Seal my people by my word, even as I send by angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God, so send I you. That was a profound statement from our Lord Jesus Christ in the present proceeding word of God that we have to walk in the light as he's in the light to have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus cleansing us from all sin. We want to invite you to our app, download our app, Sealing God's People for our daily podcast focusing on this present proceeding word of God. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy, Revelation 19.10, which is the fullest of the measure of the statue of Jesus Christ, which the body of Christ is called for now. We must enter in to the last season of God that we're already in. Many are lagging behind in a Pentecostal revelation. We must act and obey the leading of the Holy Ghost in order to be right with God. In Revelation 7, verse 1 through 3, where we are now in the body of Christ in preparation to this great tribulation that will hit, we must be sealed. Who shall be able to stand? Only those that are sealed. We find in Revelation 9, under the fifth trumpet, that there was the key to the bottomless pit. And came, coming out of the pit were locusts. Notice it was to hurt men that have not the seal of God in their foreheads and they will seek, men will seek death and will not be able to find it for a period of five months. As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it also be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. The flood waters were on the on the face of the earth for 150 days. 150 days in a 30-day prophetic month is exactly five months, the same as the locust plague under the fifth trumpet in Revelation 9. We are headed for those days now with coming against and the ones that stand against the Christian faith. It is happening all over the world, even in the United States now as well. We see that God is preparing for the sealing now. He says in Revelation 7, verse 1 through 3, And after these things, I saw four angels standing on the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth, nor on the sea, nor on any tree. I saw another angel ascending. That's exactly what the Lord said, that he was sending his angel from the east, having the seal of the living God. And now he's sending the body of Christ unto perfection, unto the measure of the statue of Jesus Christ in all truth, not partial, not Pentecostal truth, but all truth. And this angel is sending from the east, having the seal of the living God. He cried with a loud voice 
to the four angels to whom it was given to hurt the earth and the sea, saying, Hurt not the earth, neither the sea, nor the trees, till we have sealed the servants, not national Israel, their servants of our God in their foreheads. This is the mind of Christ. They're sanctified holy through the truth. Thy word is truth. We find there in that first visitation I had from the Lord back in 1989 in October that he would uncover the cedar work. It's the last day work of God where he famishes all the gods of the earth. You find that in Zephaniah, the second chapter. And he states, the Lord will be terrible unto them for he will famish all the gods of the earth. Men shall worship him. There'll be a Jesus only doctrine. Not a trinity, not a binary or tunis, not a oneness doctrine of the God-man, but the one God Almighty, Jesus only, the blessed and only potentate, the omnipotent, omniscient God, who only hath immortality dwelling in the light which no other man can approach unto, nor see, nor can see. He will worship him, everyone from his place, even all the isles of the heathen, all the world, you Ethiopians also, you shall be slain by my sword. He will stretch out his hand against the north, destroy Assyria, will make Nineveh de desolation and dry like a wilderness. And flocks shall lie down in the midst of her. All the beasts of the nations, both the comrades and the bittern, shall lodge in the upper lintels of it. Their voice shall sing in the windows. Desolation shall be in the thresholds. Why? For he shall uncover the cedar work. It is a strange work. The cedar work is a very strange work in the last days. It is a strange work. Bring to pass his act, his strange act. Judgment late to the line and righteousness to the plummet. As we read in the book of the Revelation, as also in the prophet Isaiah and Isaiah 28. This is here now upon us, the body of Christ. This is a rejoicing city that dwelt carelessly, that said in her heart, I am and there's none beside me. How she become a desolation, a place for beasts to lie down in. Everyone that passes by her shall hiss and wag his hand. Here we see in Romans, we're talking about law and grace here. But what is cheap grace? What most of the denominational churches of today have adopted their doctrine and believe the doctrine of this cheap grace. Let's take a look at grace. Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We all know that. None good, no, not one. Being justified freely by His grace. But that grace is through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation, through faith in his blood, that blood in the New Testament given for you. Somebody said, well, where is the blood? The blood of Christ. Well, the blood given for you in the New Testament to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. To die, to declare, I say at this time, his righteousness, that he might be just and a justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. Where is boasting then? It is excluded. By what law? Of the law of works? No, nay. But by the law of faith. Now we know that you're saved by grace through faith. 
Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. So we have this doctrine that there's nothing you can do in obedience to God in keeping his commandments. It's not required. And Paul is going to show the difference between cheap grace and true grace. For the promise that he should be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if they which are of the law be heirs, faith is made void, and the promise is made of none effect. Because the law worketh wrath, for where no law is, there is no transgression. That's Romans 4, 13-15. Paul states the same thing in 2 Corinthians, the third chapter, verse 7-9. through But if the ministration of death, that is the law, written and engraven in stones, was glorious, so that the children of Israel could not steadfastly behold the face of Moses for the glory of his countenance, which glory was to be done away. How shall not the ministration of the Spirit be rather glorious? For if the ministration of condemnation be glory, much more doth the ministration of righteousness exceed in glory. Now, by one man's offense, death reigned by one. Where we're talking about Romans 6. Much more they which receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation. Even so, by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. For if by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded through the law, grace did much more abound. We're focusing on this grace. That as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign. Does grace reign by itself alone? No. Grace reigns through Righteousness, that's a key word, and the little young babies in God that had just been born again. We are told in Hebrews 5 that these newborn babies are unskillful in the word of righteousness. When they ought to be teachers, they have need again to be taught again of the first principles of the oracles of God. They have need of milk and not of strong meat. We're going to focus on this faith, this righteousness, and how we obtain it through grace. There we see, knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more, death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise, reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it. Watch what we do. We must obey the commandments of God. We can't let sin reign in our mortal bodies there and obey the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, and the love of the world. Neither yield you your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin. Now we are to yield our members unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. 
for sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but you are under grace. Now, what does that mean? We're under grace. Now, here we go. Cheap grace. What most people believe that God is love in any old way will do. That when you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, you're automatically saved eternally and nothing else is required. Grace requires no obedience to the leading of the Spirit of God in cheap grace, the Christ that is within the believer. You don't have to obey that. That's cheap grace. The true grace is stated by Paul in Romans 6 again. What then? Shall we sin? Do we have a license to sin because of grace? Because we're not under the law, but we're under grace. Can we sin and in just any old way we'll do and everybody's going to heaven? God forbid. Know you not. Now here is key. Know you not that to whom you yield yourself servants to obey. His servants are ye to whom you obey. Whether of sin and the death, that is, letting the flesh reign in your body, or of obedience. True grace is obedience unto righteousness. Somebody said, well, what is, what is righteousness? Well, he that knew no sin became sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. But God be thanked that you were the servants of sin, but now you have obeyed from the heart that form, here's the doctrine of Christ, that form of doctrine which was delivered you. Been then made free from sin, free from that law. You became the servants of what? You are now servants of righteousness. That requires obedience. I speak after the manner, manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as you have yielded your members servants to uncleanness and to iniquity, not obeying the leading of the Holy Ghost in unto iniquity. They're going from iniquity to iniquity. Even so now yield your members as servants, servants to what? To righteousness, unto holiness. That's the divine nature of God, without which no man shall see the Lord. We must obey God in the leading of the Holy Ghost. Here we find there in the cheap grace, Cheap grace denies water baptism in the name of Jesus Christ for the, is for the remission of sins. They say that baptism means absolutely nothing. But true grace, let's see what it says. The Word of God, stating John 3, Jesus stated, John 3, 5, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. John 3, 5. Peter having the keys of the kingdom, being the administrator on the day of Pentecost, said unto them, Repent. Don't stop there. That's the first step. And be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ. That's the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Why? For the remission of sins. You cannot have your sins remitted except through being born again of the water and spirit. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. All right. Born of the water and born of the Spirit is given to us in Acts 2.38. Is this for us today? 
For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. It's for us today. Now, this is not coming to the measure of the statue of the fullness of Christ. This is being newborn babies. This is true grace. We have to understand. For he's not a Jew, which is one outwardly, neither is that circumcision, which is outward in the flesh. We're not talking about national Israel. But he is a Jew, which is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit. This is not in the mind of an intellect and saying, well, I believe Jesus is the Son of God. No, it's in your human spirit. It's not a letter whose praise is not of men, but of God. Well, how do you believe with the heart? In the spirit, in your human spirit, not with your mind or, or your intellect. Paul tells us in Colossians 2, verse 10 through 12, You are complete in him, Jesus Christ, which is the head of all principality and power, in whom also you are circumcised, that is, the body of sins cut off, with a circumcision made without hands. This is not a natural circumcision. In putting off the body of the sins of the flesh. How did you do that? By the circumcision of Christ. We didn't do anything. He did it. But how do we receive it? We receive it by faith. How? Buried with him in baptism. Neighbor, there's no other way. Buried with him in baptism, that is the circumcision of the heart and the spirit, the body of the sins cut off, wherein also you are risen with him through faith. There's your faith of the operation of God who hath raised him from the dead. There's no other way. We keep going with that true grace. True grace states there, and he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Everybody knows that in Mark 16. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. But he that believeth not shall be damned. Most of the churches in the nominal world today state, he that believeth and is saved shall be baptized if you want to, but it has nothing to do with salvation, which is a lie. He that believeth and is baptized is correct, shall be saved. Take a look at 1 Peter 3, 18 to 21. For Christ also hath once suffered for our sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit, by which, which Jesus is that Spirit, manifest in the days of his flesh, by which also he went and preached unto the spirits in prison, which sometime were disobedient, when once the long-suffering of God waiting in the days of Noah, while the ark was a preparing, wherein few, there's a like figure, Eight souls were saved how? They were saved by water. Notice the like figure. This is a figure of what happened in the days of Noah. Eight souls were saved by water. This same figure, whereunto even now baptism doth also now save us. Not the putting away of the filth of the flesh. It's not taking a natural bath or shower but the answer of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Where's the conscience? It's in the heart, the spirit of the believer. It has to be circumcised to be believed. In Acts 22, verse 6 through 16, 
all through the book of Acts. No one was ever baptized, Father, Son, Holy Ghost. Acts 2.38, they were baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. They received the gift of the Holy Ghost. Acts 4.12, there's no other name given among men under heaven whereby we must be saved. Acts 8.16, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Acts 10, the house of Cornelius of the Italian band. What were they? The Holy Ghost fell while Peter was preaching. Notice they received the Holy Ghost for he heard them speak with other tongues and gave God the glory. But Peter said, Can any man forbid water that they should not be baptized who have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. We find it again with Paul's conversion. We find it again in Acts 19. There was a bunch of uh, uh, believers that were not filled with the Holy Ghost. Paul came upon them and said, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? They said, Sir, we don't know whether there be any Holy Ghost. Well, they didn't believe at that point and had not heard the doctrine of baptism. Well, Paul said, And then what were you baptized? It's very essential. They said, Under John's baptism. Well, Paul had to state, John, John the Baptist, truly did baptize with the water of repentance, saying they should look on him that would come after him, that is on Jesus Christ. Then he preached Jesus Christ, and they were baptized, and he laid hands on them, and they received the gift of the Holy Ghost, spake in tongues, and prophesied. Here we have Paul, Saul of Tarsus on the Damascus Road, turned Paul, wrote 14 books of the New Testament. Take a look at what happened to Paul. Acts, the 22nd chapter, verse 6 through 16, he's given his account of his uh, uh, revelation of Jesus that he had on the Damascus road. It came to pass that I made my journey and was coming out of Damascus about noon. Suddenly shone from heaven a great light round about me. Not a man, but a spirit, God is light. And I fell into the ground and I heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou? Me, God Almighty. And I answered, Who art thou, Lord? Who are you? That's the question today. Who is the Lord God Almighty? Who's the Lord Jehovah God Almighty, the Father of glory? He said unto me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom thou persecutest. That man is God Almighty. And they that were with me saw indeed the light and were afraid, but they heard not the voice of him that spake unto me. And I said, What shall I do, Lord? The Lord said unto me, Arise and go into Damascus. There it shall be told thee of all things which are appointed thee to do. He's going to tell him the call on his life. And when I could not see for the glory of that light, being led by the hand of them that were with me, I came into Damascus. He's blinded. And one Ananias, a devout man according to the law, having a good report of all the Jews dwelt there, came unto me and stood and said unto me, Brother Saul, Receive thy sight. And the same hour I looked up upon him. He was healed of his blindness. And he said, The God of our fathers hath chosen thee, that thou shouldest know his will, and see that just one, not a trinity, not a binary, not a oneness doctrine, but the Jesus-only doctrine, that Christ is Christ the one God. Christ the man is Christ the Spirit. Christ the man in his humiliation was a man, but then he was glorified back to that of the Father, a quickening spirit. 
that you should see that just one. He saw that great light. That's Jesus Christ. And should hear the voice of his mouth. And thou shalt be his witness unto all men of what thou hast seen and heard. Watch this. And now why tarriest thou? Why ye wait any more, Saul? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins. Now you mean to tell me this man has seen the great light. He's seen that light that blinded him, knowing it's the Lord Jehovah God Almighty. Who are you, Lord? He has the revelation of the name of Jesus. The great light blinds him for three days. There he's healed of his blindness. Ananias comes to him, and after all of that, his sins were still there. And Ananias said to him, And now why tarriest thou, Paul? Why do you wait around? Arise and be baptized. Why? And wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord, invoking that name of Jesus Christ. Here, cheap grace says, cheap grace does not require the revelation of Jesus Christ is the Father. They say, no, no, the Father and the Son are different. They're different offices, but it's one of the same spirit, and that is the true doctrine of Christ. True grace. And he said to them, you are from beneath, I'm from above. Now, this is John 8. It starts in John 8, 13. And in John 8, 13, the Pharisees came to Jesus and said, Jesus, you bear record of yourself. Your record is not true. Jesus said, though I bear record of myself, my record is true because I'm not alone. I am one that bears witness self and my father that sent me. And then he says, it's written in your law. The testimony of two men is true. I am one that beareth witness of myself, and my Father that sent me, he beareth witness of me. They say, where is your Father? Question there, where is your Father? Jesus said even the same that I said unto you from the beginning. Take a look here. And he said unto them, we're carrying it on, you are from beneath, I'm from above. Not the natural man, the spirit that he is. He's the Father. You're from beneath, I'm from above. You're of this world, I'm not of this world. I said, therefore, to you that you shall die in your sins. Why? For if you believe not that I am he, that father of glory. If you do not believe that Jesus is the father, that one spirit, you shall die in your sins. Pretty profound statement. They understood not that he spake to them of the father. They still do not understand it today. As we go on, we... Talking, this is in Second Thessalonians 2, how we save them. What is salvation? Well, Paul said in Second Thessalonians, the second chapter, we're bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning, from the beginning chosen you to salvation. How? Through sanctification of the Spirit. You have to be sanctified through obedience unto righteousness and the holiness and belief of the truth. You have to yield your members as servants unto righteousness and unto holiness. You have to obey. Not any old panod doctrine will do. Whereunto he called you by our gospel to the obtaining of the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. Take a look at John 17, verse 17 through 19. Jesus said, sanctify them through thy truth. That's how you're sanctified. What is, this, what is the sanctification? Thy word is true. So you're sanctified through obedience to the word of God. These exceedingly great and precious promises given to each of us 
that we would be made partakers of his divine nature and escaping the cor corruption of the world through lust. He said, and thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself. Why? That they also may be sanctified. How? Through the truth. We must obey the present proceeding word of God. We can't stay stuck in Pentecost. We have to go on to the measure of the statue of Jesus Christ, of which the Lord has called us, this ministry, for the perfecting of the saints. We must go on to the measure of the statue of Jesus Christ and to a perfect man. Here we see it again in Romans 8, verse 1 through 4. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, not obeying the, not obeying the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from this law of sin and death. For what the law cannot do in that it was weak in the flesh. God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. Why? That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but we walk after the spirit. That is so essential in obedience unto righteousness, unto holiness. Keep it on with Romans 8. Therefore, brethren, we're debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. All that love the world, the love of the Father is not in them. For all the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, and the lust of the flesh. And the world passed away with the lust thereof. But whosoever doeth, does the will of God, shall abide forever. Obedience is required. Grace requires obedience. Because grace reigns through righteousness, and righteousness has to be obeyed unto holiness, Romans 6. Romans 8, therefore, brethren, we're debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. For if you live after the flesh, and even though you have the Spirit of God, you shall die if you still live after the flesh. But if you, through the Spirit, through the leading of the Holy Ghost, mortify or kill the deeds of the flesh, you shall, you shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God in obedience to that Spirit, they are the sons of God. Iniquity is disobeying the leading of the Holy Ghost. It's lawlessness, not following the leading of the Spirit of God. You have not received the spirit of bondage, bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. For God has sent forth the spirit of His Son into our hearts, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. One and the self saying Spirit. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. What? If so be that we suffer with Him, mortifying the deeds of the flesh, the chastening rod of God, that we might be a, there partaker with Jesus Christ in His sufferings, that we may be also glorified together. There we find that obedience is still required Therefore, salvation. We find in Philippians 2, verse 12 through 13. He said, Paul speaking, Wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Work out your own salvation with what? Work out that salvation with fear and trembling. How does that work? For it is God which worketh in you, the Christ in you, both to will, watch this, and to do of his good pleasure. 
we must obey. James 4.13, Therefore to him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, to him it is sin. As we see here, there are four stages of growth in the glory of Jesus. We start out as newborn babies. They desire the sincere milk that we may grow thereby. Then we go to little children. Then young men, and then fathers. And this is what God has called us in this ministry to bring the body of Christ focusing on the fathers, full grown to the measure of the statue of Jesus Christ through the word of God. Not for any of our righteousness or our holiness, but for his name's sake. In 1 John 2, 12-14, we see these four glories mentioned. Now, he already knows he's writing to the beloved. They're born again. Then he said, now, not born based, but I write to you little children. Well, what does the little children have? Because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake, the name of Jesus. Well, we know they're born again because their sins are forgiven. But let's take a look here also. I write unto you little children also because you have known what? You have known the Father. They know that Jesus is the Father of glory, not a separate spirit, not spirit junior, not a second person of the Godhead. Those are little children. Well, do we stop there? No, we have to grow. We have to grow from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. And he says there again, now we go to young men. And I write to you, young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. Well, that's wonderful. We've overcome. Now watch what he says again to the young men. I've written to you, young men. How did they overcome? Because... You are strong and the word of God abides in you. You're obedient to the word of God and you've overcome the wicked one. You've been through trials, temptations, tribulation, work, patience, patience, work, experience, and experience, work, and hope. Hope making not a shame because the love of God is shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Ghost. That's Revelation, the second and third chapter. But now God has called us in this ministry for the fullness of the measure of the statue of Jesus unto fathers. What are the fathers? John says, I write unto you fathers because you have known him that is from the beginning. He also says it again. I have written unto you fathers, full grown, because you have known him that is from the beginning. He says that twice. Well, what is that? Well, knowing him that's from the beginning is obviously sanctified through that truth, thy word is truth. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him. He's known him from the beginning. All things made by him and the fathers know the word of God as before and behind, which is full circle. When you see that, that the four beasts, which are the before the throne of God, which are the redeemed of the Lord, they have eyes before, perfection peripheral vision in Revelation. They have eyes before. They see the Revelation. That's the aim. And they have eyes behind. Making what? That's not it's supposed to be a full circle. No beginning ended there. A beginning or ending, but that is a full circle, which is uh, to the measure of the statue of Jesus Christ. They have eyes before and behind, front and back, making full circle in obedience to God and doing his will. In Malachi 4, what does this have to do with us? 
Well, we're going to see. Remember you the law of Moses, my servant, which I've commanded him, uh, unto him and Horeb for all Israel, with the statutes and the judgments. That's the law of Moses. There we have Moses. Then behold, I send you Elijah, El-E-Yah, Elohim is Jehovah, the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord, the day of the Lord God Almighty. Here is the key to what God has called this ministry for, uh, there for the saints of the living God, and he shall turn the heart of the fathers, the ones that have known him from the beginning, to the children that know that he is the father, and the heart of the father to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse, Malachi, for ends in the Old Testament. This is the call of God and to measure the stature of the fullness of Jesus Christ. We see it again in Matthew 17, 1 through 5. On a mountain apart, the kingdom apart, Jesus there taketh them Peter, James, and John. After six days, and taketh Peter, James, and John, his brother, and bringeth them up to a high mountain. Key word after six days Two, it's been two days or 2,000 years since the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. We're in the third day or after six days from creation where we are now in the body of Christ and was transfigured before them. His face did shine as the sun and his raiment was white as the light. And behold, they appeared unto him. Watch this. There's what we read in Malachi for Moses and there's Elias, Elijah, there with him. Then answered Peter and said unto Jesus, Lord, it's good for us to be here. If thou wilt, let us make here three tabernacles, three sukkahs, three booths, one for you, one for Moses, and another one for Elijah. While he yet spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and behold, a voice came out of the cloud which said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Now you hear ye him. You're not hearing the law. You're hearing the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Hear ye him. And we go on with it, Matthew 17. And Jesus answered unto them. They come down off the mount. They saw Jesus only. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Elias, Elijah, truly shall first come and what? A restoration. Restore all things. We will grow up into Jesus in all truth that we're not tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine unto a perfect man. In Pentecost, we had, we saw through a glass darkly. The glass, the perfect law of liberty. But now, he said, God has shown forth his glory in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power might be of God and not of ourselves. What is it? The Lord is that spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. Keyword, we all beholding us in a glass, the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image, not partial glory, into the same image of Jesus Christ from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. That's what God respect, expects of us now in the body of Christ to go to the measure of the statue of Jesus into all truth. And that Elijah must come and restore all things, all things of faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. What kind of faith? Now faith is the substance of things so far, the evidence of things not seen. It's the fullness of faith. But Jesus said, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth. Why? Because most will not go on to the measure of the statue of Jesus. What we find in there, here is the faith and patience of the saints. 
when truth is cast through the ground, ground by the Antichrist, he said, he that leadeth into captivity shall go into captivity. He that killeth with a sword must be killed with a sword. What is that? Here is the faith and the patience of the saints. Let me die the death of the righteous. Let my last end be like his. Which the body of Christ is truly going to be tried even as by fire. Jesus answered and said to them, Elijah truly shall first come and he will restore all things. He talks about that in the future. Then he talks about his first coming. But I say to you that Elijah has come already, and they knew him not, and have done unto him whatsoever they listed. Likewise shall also the Son of Man suffer them. This they understood he spake of John the Baptist. What is that key to us? Well, simply in Acts 3.20 and verse 21, we find that Peter talking, and he shall send Jesus Christ, which before was preached unto you. Key, whom the heaven must receive, how long? Until the times of the restitution of what? All things, all truth, all faith, all glory to the measure of the statue of Jesus. To the times of restitution of all things, when things are restored, Jesus will remain in heaven until all things are restored there in the times of the restitution. When God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. Well, there you have it. We want you to tune in to our our podcast daily at Sealing God's People. Uh, they're focusing on this last day, great work of God in the work of the ministry, which we're all called for. Maybe some have not ever heard it before. The ministry is dedicated and called of God to, as a mandate to bring this word to the body of Christ. If God has spoken to you, bore witness with your spirit, the spirit of God bearing witness with your spirit, that this is the truth and contact us. We need to work together. Don't procrastinate. Don't wait. By an action of doing nothing is absolutely setting back and letting the word of truth pass by you. Move on it as God leads you. If God hasn't spoken, fine. If he has spoken to you, then please, by all means, contact us where we can work together. Well, we're praying for each one of you that God will perfect, perfect all that is lacking in each one of us, that we all may be presented blameless at the coming Lord, Lord Jesus Christ in both spirit, soul, and body. Now, literally, email me. Let me hear from you at sealinggodspeople at dennisbeard.org. That's my email address. Sealing God's people at DennisBeard.org or simply write to me, Post Office Box 2906, Longview, Texas, zip code 75606. Visit our websites, DennisBeard.org, SealingGodsPeople.org, SealingGodsPeople.com or here again on our podcast, Sealing God's People. Well, until the next time, this is Brother Dennis Beard saying, uh, Behold the Real Jesus.